0: Well, hello, everybody. What a privilege to be a part of what God is doing in this place. It's exciting. I love baptisms. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Excellent. My name is Jared Van Voorst. I'm the Lakeville Campus Pastor here, and welcome to Hosanna We Believe. The Lord led you here today. I actually got to meet with Rob about a year ago as he shared with me the story of losing his wife, but just his countenance and his faith was exciting to now see that come full circle. And uh, it's an incredible story. And I imagine there's hundreds of stories happening in our midst as well. So thank you for being a part of what's going on. This isn't just like an hour of coming together and being part of a country club. I mean, there's there's something happening here and, and I hope you get a sense of that. I'm gonna invite our ushers forward to receive our tithes and our offering. Thank you for your generosity and for living uh, obediently with your finances and giving to this church. I want to let you know uh, that it's still Easter. It, we celebrated Easter last week, but if you follow the church calendar, it's still Easter, and uh, that means Jesus is still alive. Amen? And so, what we are excited about, uh, as it pertains to your generosity, is last week we decided that the entire Easter offering would go outside of Hosanna, and I want to share with you that number. It's one hundred and eighty nine thousand one hundred and seventy seven dollars, uh, which is exciting. And that money is going to bless our partners in the community who are doing a lot of good and helping people in a lot of different scenarios. So thank you for your giving. Also, I think it's important to recognize not just how we give of our finances, but how we give of our time. And so if you were a volunteer in any capacity, whether it was Good Friday or any of the Easter services or any of the preparation for Easter, would you please stand and be recognized? We want to clap for you too. I know there's a lot of clapping going on, but we can keep clapping. Thank you. Thank you for giving up your time. It means a lot to us that you would partner with us, be part of our team uh, to welcome anybody who might be coming through our doors. And I imagine there might even be some of you who came through our doors at Easter, maybe at one of our campuses or this campus for the first time. And that's a big deal. It's hard sometimes to step into a brand new church, but you did and maybe you came back today and we're so glad that you're here and we hope you get connected in a greater way. Question I wanna ask though is because it's still technically Easter, What difference does it make? Is it just this one day that we celebrate and then we move on with our lives? Or does it actually have an impact? Does it make any difference in our daily lives? What does it really actually mean for our day-to-day activity? That's a question they were asking 2,000 years ago as well. After Jesus had risen from the grave, did it change anything? Did it mean anything And so there's this ancient letter that was written by an individual named Paul, who's an apostle, which is just a fancy word for sent one or missionary. And he goes to this, uh, all of these different places, but one of the places he goes to is Corinth, the city of Corinth, and he writes a letter to them, encouraging them. And there's this one chapter where he spends this whole treatise on the resurrection and why it's crucial, it's absolutely essential to what we hold to believe as followers of Jesus, to what we hold to be true as followers of Jesus, who is still alive. And after he unloads this entire message, this really big sermon about the importance of the resurrection, he finishes it with this. And this is gonna be our theme verse as we start this new series. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It'll be on the screens behind me if you don't have a Bible, but it says this. So, so my dear brothers and sisters, Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Be strong, be immovable. Work enthusiastically. In other words, Easter, the resurrection has massive implications for how we go about our daily lives. In other words, what we're choosing to say in, for the next three weeks is we want to live bold. We're living bold. We want to live with a, a great sense of anticipation and boldness for what God is doing and will continue to do. We want to be strong, immovable. We want to work enthusiastically, whatever our work might be. We want to live bold. Bold. This is what Paul encourages the people to do. Because of the resurrection, we are able to live boldly. But there's a, a, maybe a greater question about how that exists and, and how that happens. One of the things that we think about as Hosanna specifically is this, this word actually informs our mission statement. That we want to humbly yet boldly, humbly and boldly be a church that looks more and more like Jesus boldness we want to be strong we want to be immovable but where does that come from i mean is it just like an extra cup of coffee that day or a red bull or a monster energy drink or as my friends in college would used to refer to it as liquid courage you can make up your minds what you think that means <laughs> there's an interesting uh, note actually this this letter to the corinthians was originally written in greek and that, that phrase there, work enthusiastically, that word enthousi, enthusiasm is the Greek word entheos, which actually means the God within. Work as though there's a divine presence within you. Well, what does that look like? And how do we, how do we tap into that, that God within us? Where does boldness come from? Plus, how do we sift through all the different messages and definitions of what boldness is within the varying cultures that we exist in? There's a couple different perspectives. One of them is maybe the more Christian culture. And maybe you get images of boldness that are sort of conjured up in your mind when you hear that word boldness or living bold, living boldly. Maybe it's the image of the individual standing on the street corner shouting at everybody as they're walking by. Maybe they have a bullhorn. And maybe they're talking about God. They're talking about the kingdom of God. And maybe even some of the things that they're saying have some nugget of truth in them. But most of the time, my guess is that the image that you and I have in our heads of that person standing on the street corner is usually a demeanor of, of uh, anger and fear mongering and dominance and they're argumentative. I don't know about you, but I don't know a whole lot of people that have been argued into the love of God. <laughs> Let me just convince you of God's love. No, it, that's not how it works. And so there's some, there's some maybe good and maybe not so good messages in that perspective of what boldness looks like. Maybe that's an image that you get in your mind. Or maybe, maybe it's a, a different kind of perspective of boldness. Maybe that's defined a little bit more uh, by pop culture. That's a little bit more mainstream. You've heard of maybe Rachel Hollis, who's been big the last couple years. Her books are selling by the millions in every target across the universe. Uh, and, and then there's guys like Tony Robbins, who's been around for a really long time, but is still relevant. He's got uh, uh, shows about him and his messages on Netflix and Amazon. I mean, these people are, are huge in mainstream pop culture. And a lot of what they're saying is, it's really positive. It's oftentimes very influential and motivational. And they're encouraging us to live boldly and to you, you've got this, you've got what it takes within yourself. And there's a lot of good to that, but at the same time, there's sort of a common thread within that as well that's maybe just a little off uh, as compared to what we talk about in Christianity, and that it's all rooted in self, that you can do it. You have the power within you. Just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and just go forward and move. You got it. You got this. And, and it's a lot about self, but I would say even more specifically, it's a lot about self-promotion. Which is really kind of at the root of a lot of social media. Notice me. Look at me. Acknowledge me. Respect me self-promotion and within that even there's a hint or maybe just a blatant measure of narcissism we're so turned in on ourselves that we have the power within us to to succeed but what happens what happens when we don't when we don't succeed when we're not rich when we're not able to have the means to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and have the willpower to move forward. What happens when we have a diagnosis that we're not expecting? Or what happens when we have things outside of our control? Maybe we're from Haiti and we have corruption and natural disasters that are outside of our control. Then self and willpower isn't sustainable. It doesn't work. How do we sift through these different definitions of what boldness is? What image of boldness comes to your mind? And you think about what it looks like to live a bold life. There's an ancient story that takes place 2,000 years ago. It's it's an appropriate one for us to look at at least this time of the season as we follow Easter. Because it takes place actually the same day as Easter 2,000 years ago when Jesus rises from the grave. And it's a story from Luke uh, chapter 24. If you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've probably heard this story You come across this story more than once. And it's, it's a longer story. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I want to look at just some bits and pieces and, and pull out some nuggets. There's so much that we could say about this story. But as it relates to us living boldly, I want to look at the lives of two people who are right on the heels of the resurrection, but also two people who are transformed to eventually start to live boldly. God does something within them. If you want to follow along, I'm in Luke chapter 24. Verses 13 to 49. Just to give you a little bit of a background of what's going on is uh, Easter has already happened. This is just a couple days after the crucifixion. Uh, There's a lot of contention around Jerusalem where where the crucifixion had happened. Uh, It's a dangerous, busy, exciting, crazy time in Jerusalem. And the disciples are all over the place. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And these two disciples that we pick up with are on the road to Emmaus, which is away from Jerusalem. It's about a seven-mile trip. And they're walking away from Jerusalem. And they're dejected, devastated, discouraged. They're not sure what's just all taken place. For the last three years, they had put their hope in this man named Jesus, who they thought was going to be the Messiah, the one to save them from their oppression. And now they're not sure that this is actually taking place because Jesus died. He was crucified. He was put to death. That doesn't match up with the story that they were expecting in their own minds. So they're walking away. They've given up. And all of a sudden, this figure comes along and starts talking with them. And it's it's Jesus. It's the resurrected Christ. But they don't know it yet. They don't know that it's Jesus. They don't recognize him. And he begins to talk to them. And he says, What, what are you guys talking about? And they sort of look at him like, Are, are you insane? Do you do not know what has taken place in Jerusalem? All of these things have taken place. This, this man who we thought was going to save us, uh, it didn't work out. And, they, and in fact, if you look at the story, they even acknowledge uh, that. Some of the other disciples were talking about the resurrection that happened, that he was, he was raised from the dead, or at least that his body was missing from the grave. But they're not sure what to do with all of that. They don't think that it has any implications, that it actually changes how they're supposed to behave now, what their daily life is going to look like from here on out. There's still a lot of unbelief, because then what we see, Jesus speaks to them. And again, they still don't know that this is Jesus talking to them, but he says, You foolish people! You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then this is the part of the story I want you to see. We're picking up in verse 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. Explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey and jesus acted as if he were going on but they begged him stay the night with us since it's getting late so he went home with them as they sat down to eat he took the bread and he blessed it and then he broke it and gave it to them suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him and at that moment he disappeared they said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord is really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. Something's changed here. I want to point to the transformation toward these two disciples who begin to live a bold life. And it starts ultimately with their bold hearts. Look at verse 32. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. This is where it starts. Living boldly starts with having a bold heart. How many of you would say you feel you have this boldness within you, a bold heart? Or more specifically, how many of you would say the last time you talked to Jesus and read the scriptures that your heart began to burn within you? This is the, the catalyst for their transformation towards living a bold life. The scriptures is what emboldened them. Now think about that. They're not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. They're not talking about any of the books in the New Testament because that hadn't been written yet. It was happening. They're talking about the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Scriptures, the Old Covenant. Jesus took them through the Old Testament, their Hebrew Bible, which never explicitly uses the name Jesus. It doesn't talk about Jesus. And yet Jesus takes them through the scriptures and says, see, I'm I'm here. This this is about me. This part is, is me, is pointing to me. This is all leading to me and what I'm doing. Jesus gives them a new picture of what God is actually like. A lot of times throughout the Old Testament, they're sort of trying to grasp how this divine world works, what God is actually like. Oftentimes he's pictured like a mighty warrior who's going to fight their battles. And yes, that's true in a sense, but then Jesus comes as this poor peasant who doesn't fight at all, who actually says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And so they're having to reorient their minds about what God is actually like. Jesus takes them through the scriptures and say, actually, this is what God is like in me. He opens their minds to the scriptures and their their hearts begin to burn within them because of the text. And it starts them on this trajectory towards boldness. Here's another reason why uh, they start to live boldly is because they return to Jerusalem. Now to you and I, that might not, might not set off any alarm bells for us, but here's the thing. They just returned, they, d- they just came from Jerusalem, which is already a seven mile journey on foot in the Middle East, where they probably didn't have a whole lot of means. They didn't have granola bars uh, with them and extra water. It's a long, arduous journey away from Jerusalem. And because of the text and because of their talking with Jesus, within an hour, they return. An hour isn't a whole lot of time to get ready for another seven-mile journey. So all in all, they're walking 14 miles. And not only that, but they're returning to Jerusalem, which just a couple of days ago is where Jesus was crucified by the Romans, If you were associated with Jesus, you were part of his camp, part of his clique. uh, Your life was in danger. That's why so many of the disciples scattered when Jesus was arrested. They didn't want to get arrested too. And so they're going back to the place where most likely their lives are in danger. I would say that that's a bold move. But taking their life in their hands by deciding to return to Jerusalem. Where it's contentious, where it's dangerous, where their lives are going to be at risk. But they do it. They have to. They have to because they have these new bold hearts within them. Their hearts are burning within them because of the passion that started to exude from them simply by talking with Jesus and beginning to understand the text through a new lens. This is absolute boldness that they move toward. And it didn't matter what, was, what risks were ahead. It didn't matter that their lives were going to be at risk. And then as they do so, and they return, and they're talking with each other, and then they begin to find the disciples, and then they tell the story of what they experienced. And the other disciples tell their version of the story. And there's this excitement. As they're doing that, Jesus shows up again with them. He just pops in. It'd be an emotional roller coaster if you think about it. This resurrected being. They have no concept of what that's like, and he just shows up. Hey, how's it going again, guys? And this is what he says and or what it says in verse forty five. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He goes back to the text again. He opened their minds. Do you think is an interesting phrase? Sometimes I think we need Jesus to open our minds to a new understanding. Oftentimes we take our experience and we project it onto the Bible and we make it say what we want it to say to fit our life and our lifestyle. But Jesus instead comes from the outside and opens their minds to understand the scriptures with a new lens, a new understanding he opens their minds to the scriptures and he keeps talking to them and encouraging them and, he, and then he finishes it with this. In verse 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Where does boldness come from? Not from within. It's not just by picking up yourself by your bootstraps and just charging forward. No, it comes from the Holy Spirit from heaven, but then dwells within you. But it's something you have to wait for, wait upon the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. It's an interesting thing that's going on here. Because they can't rely on their own self-will or their own knowledge. It's not sustainable. They know a lot about God. They know a lot about the scriptures, but they still need that final step, that final indwelling of the Holy Spirit to take up residence in their lives. We get the text. We get the talking with one another. We get the telling of the story. And then we get the waiting for the Holy Spirit all that contributes to a bold heart that has to take place before they then start to make bold decisions, which we're gonna talk about next week. Pastor Julio from Haiti is gonna be here to talk about what it looks like to live in a country like Haiti and to make bold decisions on behalf of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And then a bold heart has to take place before they can truly live bold lives, which you're gonna hear about on Mother's Day as well stories of women who are and continuing to live bold lives, but it starts, starts within Jesus centered boldness requires an internal change in the head and the heart along with the Holy Spirit before an external change can begin to be lived out through our hands. We need something to change in our head, our heart. We need the Holy Spirit change before the work of our hands begins to change. I thought about it like this. Uh, about four and a half years ago, we moved into the house that we currently live in. And uh, in the first, within the first couple days, I was outside and I saw the neighbor across the street. And so I thought, great opportunity to go and meet him. So I went up to him and I swear to you, he said his name was Dean. And so we go about uh, for the next three years. Hi, Dean. How's it going, Dean? Good to see you, Dean. Merry Christmas, Dean. Happy Easter, Dean. All of those kinds of things, our entire family. My wife, our three kids. Hi, Mr. Dean. Uh, About three years later, I was talking to somebody from this church. And uh, they said, hey, we were over in your neighborhood, I think. Uh, You live in that one house? Yeah, yeah, that's where I live. Yeah, we were in your neighborhood. We were just right across the street. We were visiting with our friends Todd and Karen. I said, uh, no, I don't think I know a Todd and Karen. I know a Dean and Karen, but it's not a, it's not a Todd and Karen. He's like, no, it's, no it's your, this is your house, right? And that's their house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's Todd and Karen. No, no, you must have it wrong. It's Dean and Karen. He told me his, his name was Dean three years ago. I've been calling him Dean for three years. I swear to you, his name... His name is Dean, and this is a person who often uh, has a lot of pranks and tells uh, a lot of jokes and stories, and he messes with me. I just figured this was one of those moments where he's just deciding, well, I'm just going to mess with Jared today, Uh, and he gets really serious, and he's like, Jared, I I assure you, his name is Todd, and I begin to sweat. (laughs) It's like, you mean to tell me that I've been calling this individual Dean for three years? Dean doesn't even sound close to Todd. It's not even the same sound of word. There's not even the same letters with the exception of the last letter of Todd and the first letter of Dean, okay? Not even the same. I've been calling him Dean for three years. My wife would used to uh, pull out of the driveway, roll down the window, see you Dean. Good to see you. Our kids would be outside. We, we've instructed our kids to call everybody by Mr. and Mrs. Hi, Mr. Dean. I mean, just constantly. And my wife would say sometimes, you know, sometimes Dean doesn't respond to me. <laughs> he just kind of just keeps doing what he's doing. Or maybe maybe he's hard of hearing. And maybe he's getting a little bit older. I don't know. Or maybe we did something. Maybe he's mad at us. I don't know. You know what? His name isn't Dean. <laughs> it's Todd. And the moment I find this out from this individual at our church, a couple of days later, I go and he's, I see him outside. I walk straight up to him. I said, uh, "Dean, I mean Todd, I have a bone to pick with you. For three years, you have allowed our entire family to call you Dean. What's the deal?" And he said, "You know, what are those moments where you want to correct somebody because they're totally wrong, uh, but then you get to that threshold where it's like, yeah, too much time has passed, so I'm just not going to say anything." <laughs> Just because it's too awkward? Yeah, that was one of those moments. And I'm thinking, how awkward do you think it is for me? I've been calling you Dean for the last three years. I felt so embarrassed. I'm a pastor who's supposed to love my neighbor. I don't even know his name. As I thought about that story, uh, and, and hurt and you know experienced this last year, I'm like, eventually this has to work its way into a sermon. It just has to. I don't know how it's gonna fit, but we're gonna make it fit. And so I'm making it fit today. And I know it's a little bit of a cheesy illustration, but I think about this as we as we learned Todd's name. Uh, we had to, I had to like consciously think about it. Every time I was going outside, I'm thinking, okay, if if Todd is outside, I'm gonna call him Todd. I'm gonna call him Todd. I'm going through this in my mind, playing this over and over. I had to think about it. And then with our family, we had to like talk about it in our inner circle of our family talk about this on a regular basis to say, Hey guys, uh, his name's Todd. Make sure we call him Todd. We're not calling him Mr. Dean anymore. We didn't call him Mr. Todd or just Todd, whatever. Just it's Todd. Okay. We had to talk about it with ourselves. And then we thought this is such a ridiculous story. We have to tell people this. So we tell the story to a broader circle of people so they can commiserate with us and how awkward is this. But also it was a reminder to us to remind ourselves that, Oh, his name is Todd, his name is not dean it was just we had to reorient our minds and our activity so that we would call him todd and i think about this as a model for the story that we're looking at and these words that come to mind is they have to think about this i mean we don't see that word think necessarily but as he takes them through the text and he opens their minds to the scriptures they have to reorient they have to change how they think about god Now, because of Jesus and because they show, Jesus shows them the text in a different way, a different lens. And so they have to think about this in a brand new way. And they begin to talk about it. We see in verse 32, they talk about it with each other and their hearts begin to burn. They talk with Jesus and talk with each other, their inner circle to remind themselves of what God is doing in and through them. And then they eventually tell the story to others and they hear others tell their story so that they can gain new perspectives, new experiences, new versions of their story as well. But then there's one more thing. They have to wait upon the Holy Spirit. So I thought about it in this way. I have four tips for heartburn, for bold hearts. It's think, talk, tell. That sounds kind of like the same as talk, but there's a slight difference. But then this fourth word, tarry. (laughs) We don't use that word often in the church. You'd have to go back to the 1800s or read old hymns. You use this word tarry, but it simply means to wait. I had three T's I needed a fourth one. Don't judge me, okay? I'm just trying to get creative. (laughs) You have to think about what God is doing. Think about the text. Do we spend time in this? and Think about what God is saying. Not just what we want it to say, but is he allowing to... Is, are we allowing Him to open our minds so that we think about the text? Are we talking about this with the people that we love and the people that we share these godly experiences with? Do we talk about it? Do we also tell the story to broader circles? Okay, here's what God's doing in my life. Let me hear what God is doing in your life. Because it causes us, it causes our hearts to burn within us. But then finally, are we waiting upon the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit filling us before we begin to live boldly? Or are we just working in our own willpower, our own self, our own self-promotion? So I wanna do that. Maybe this is brand new to you. I recognize there might be some of you who have just, just come back to church after visiting us on Easter. You decided to give it another shot. I want us to take an opportunity to wait upon the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes we use this word, receive the Holy Spirit. You can read all about that in the book of Acts, which takes place after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They wait upon the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives them great boldness to live boldly. I want to wait upon the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been coming to church for years and you've always heard about the Holy Spirit, but you're never sure what to do with that. What does that mean? Or isn't the Holy Spirit, isn't that like the weird version of Christianity? Isn't that like the weird church people that do weird stuff? Maybe, but consider this. We've already spent about an hour. Eric talked about, Some weird things, high school students who are giving up a good portion of their summer to go to a place that's uncomfortable and to work on behalf of God in the heat. We've also sang songs. We even sang a song, a whole bunch of Norwegians tried to sing a country song. That's weird, right? We saw two individuals who went down into lukewarm water and came back up and now are freezing, trying to get warm because God did something in their hearts. And then we listened to an individual who stood on stage and talked for 30 minutes and he can't even remember his neighbor's first name. We've already crossed the threshold to weird. So let's just go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's invite the Holy Spirit deeper into the areas of our lives where maybe we don't feel the Holy Spirit has entered yet and truly begins to take control not in a dominating way but in a comforting peaceful, shepherding loving, counseling way that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do within you, that's the God within, that's how we begin to work enthusiastically The Lord in whatever we do. And so I want to invite you, remember, we're whole people, our head, our heart, and then eventually our hands. I want to invite you to just put your hands on your lap like this, and I want to pray for us to welcome, invite, receive the Holy Spirit. encourage you to just take a deep breath. For some of us, this is the first time we've taken a deep breath in a week. We're so hurried, we're so busy. And so the idea of waiting upon the Holy Spirit to tarry is a hard concept for us within this culture. But if we don't have you, God, If we don't have your spirit within us, we're gonna keep trying to do things in our own power, which will run out. I just anticipate there are some people in this room who have been trying to do this on their own and they're getting tired and maybe they've been successful in some areas, but maybe there's that hunger and desire for more. Maybe the question has come across their minds. There's gotta be more than this. There's gotta be more than just working for the weekend, getting a paycheck, going in and out of broken relationships. There's got to be more than this. And so God, would you come through the power of your Holy Spirit and satisfy that hunger within us so that we might have bold hearts. God, we want our hearts to burn within us. So come Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come Holy Spirit. Let's continue to worship.